Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Episode 7 of the Total Bees She's Show. I am the co-host, the producer Chris, as Mike likes to call me, and this is going to be a good one. This guy's hot already, but before we get to it, I can see he's, he's red in the face right now, and he's champing at the bit. By the way, it's champing, not chomping. Now, if you've been following us for a while, you know we've got the social media platforms. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Twitter, we've got YouTube. You should follow us on all of those. Facebook, just search us, Total BG's, uh Instagram, at Total BG's, Twitter, at Total BG's, and our fairly newly minted YouTube channel. Just search Total Bee She's and do us a favor with the YouTube. Hit that little bell and subscribe because that helps us out. Now, Mike, you're like a caged animal right now. I really, I want you to get into this. Let's go. I'm growling over here. I I am in a mood. I got to tell you. First off, let me ask you all. Go to YouTube, the Total Bee She's show. Subscribe. And I want you guys to watch 13 episodes of WFX Overload. Because people say, how dare this guy give promoters advice? What has he ever done? He couldn't do it if he didn't have a backer. He doesn't know what he's doing. We're in there in the trenches. I'm, I am so mad at wrestling promoters right now. And if I'm not mad at you, don't take it personally. But to the ones I am mad at, I'm really mad at you. Just, a, just about 10 days ago, I went on social media and I asked people, promoters, send us your press kit. Because I knew for a fact they don't have one. I said, send us your press kit. Just like I once said in episode one, show me your business plan. Which I knew you didn't have one and you don't because I could offer insights and advice. I even offered to potentially reauthor your business plan. I wanted to see your press kits because I wanted to see how you promote your product because you should be doing that better than anybody. Not one response. Now, I'm going to tell you, there are promoters out there that do reach out to me. They do. They, they ask for feedback or they throw something at me and ask for advice or they ask me to clarify something I said that, they, that obviously resonated with them. To those very few promoters, good job. I have... I have reason to believe you're going to do a good job. I also want to mention that 3D Pro Wrestling did their first show, 220 people. I said they were charging too much, but think of what that gate was. They, they did well. Yeah. And the, and the pictures looked well. I actually watched some of the live streaming. It was, uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. So they did, they did good. Congratulations to them. I also was wrong when I said top talent wrestling Academy in Alberta was charging too much. Right. They sold out their first row, $40 a ticket. All right. So they're on their way to a successful financial show. It's, but it, it's one of those things you bring up a lot of times, the law of diminishing returns. So maybe they got it this time. Are they going to get it consistently? Or maybe they know something I don't. And it's possible. I'm Let's not, give them some credit. Yeah, it gives credit where it's due. My buddy, Danny Duggan, CWE. So it's Irwin R. Scheister one month. before He's brought every name you could think of. And he announces he's got two shows coming up, Winnipeg and Dauphin. He doesn't need to bring in a free agent name, but he does it anyway yep. just to prove he can. And he's bringing in TNA, former TNA world champion James Storms. And that's as good a name as you're going to get yep. because he's going to give a, a very good match. I've heard some of, the, some of the rumblings of who he might face. I'm not going to break a scoop here. 
But I tell you, if I was running WFX today and James Storm was a free agent, he would be on my roster. He, he he's very exciting. Like I saw that announcement, and I was I was excited because I'm not a big TNA guy, but he was one of the guys that had me. Beer had, Money was an amazing Beer tag Money was team. Awesome, he had me locked in. Before that, he was part of America's Most Wanted. Yep, great babyface tag team. And then he, as a single, he he was a top babyface in that company. His run there started in 2002, and I think he was there right up until 2012 yeah, or 13. Yeah, maybe even later than that. Either way. Good get by Danny Duggan. Absolutely. Great get. And the fans of Dauphin, the fans of Winnipeg, you're going to be thrilled and treated to a great performance. I guarantee it. Still in his prime. It's not like when you go see, you know, the Brooklyn Brawler and the guy is at an age where he can't deliver what you expect to see from yeah. him, right? Or Honky Tonk Man, for that matter. Oh, I, you know what I think of him. <laughs> but promoters, come on. You can do better, but I all I asked for was a press kit. I send out messages to promoters, ignored. Good job. You're doing good. Guess what? When you say, what has Mike Davidson done? Or you challenge, oh, if Mike Davidson could do it, he wouldn't talk it. He would do it. Guess what, guys? I I don't have the time. I have other things going on. Don't challenge me to do it. Maybe I will. And I could. But it, it wasn't a backer that made AWE Action Wrestling Entertainment, and then WFX successful. The backer was not the key ingredient there. The key ingredient was a vision to be bigger than what you're doing. Now, promoters, let me give you advice. Stop running free venues and actually rent a venue. Put 300 in there or 400 in there and make a profit, which you could do. And the ambiance of that venue adds to your presentation package. Don't run free venues because you can, even though you can get 200 people to go there. Invest in your product. You don't do it. I'm not actually mad at promoters. I'm fired up today. Because promoters are doing good, but they definitely, definitely can do better. And as the show goes on today, I'm also going to talk about what independent wrestlers need to do better. Because it's not just promoters yeah. that make the, the market better. And, and that's one of the things that we, we talked about a little bit. And I, I've got that written down because we, we need to talk about this. What the indie wrestlers, you know, why aren't they presenting themselves as top tier athletes? You need to give me a couple minutes to think about that one. Because uh, I have a lot to say today. Like, right. I'm fired up. Promoters. You're drawing 150, 200 people. Good job. I, I'll say it straight out. The the social media efforts you guys are making, fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you guys. There are so many good ones out there. Winnipeg Pro Wrestling, Nation Extreme Wrestling in BC. Do you know what I saw them do this this past week? They did the power rankings. And it was, it was social media and it was right. Instagram. And they had the number one. They had all the stats. What their win-loss record was. I like that. It looked great. Yeah. It looked big league. No other, no other company's doing it. Rip it off and do it. Every company should be doing it. It's easy. Yep. It's a little bit of graphic design. Don't make it look like you do your graphics at home. Make it look like you hired someone good, like Andrew Templeton. Yes. Very good. Promoters, start thinking everything is big league. Not, not in your mind it's big league because you want it to be big league, but how do you make it look big league? But treat it like that. Exactly. Treat it like you're a professional form of entertainment slash sport. Either way, next week, I'm going to come back at you again and again and again. And one by one, a promoter is going to ask me for one idea and I'm going to give every promoter what they ask for. And I don't, we do it privately. But like, if you're a promoter and you want to, if you want to run something past me, I'm not going to blurb. I've talked to three or four promoters. You don't know who they are and you don't know what they've asked me. I'll give you the advice you want. I'll give every the advice to the masses too, but the advice I'll give one-on-one, that's, that's between me and the promoter. I'm willing to help. But when I ask for your press kit or I ask who your top wrestlers are or what makes you special, 
give me something. Yeah. Because otherwise I got to make it up. And sometimes I'm just dead wrong. And sometimes it turns critical then. And then you get hot and you think it's a personal attack. It isn't a personal attack. It's just, it's just the honest to God's truth. So Chris, get at these promoters, make them like me. That's your job, producer, Chris. <laughs> I'm Char- on it. Hey, you call yourself character builder, Chris. Build my character. That's a, be a booker. That, that is, that's a high task, Mike Davidson, for me to build your character up. That's a high task. Oh, that one hurts. <laughs> we, uh, one other thing we got coming up today on the show, significant yes. professional wrestling oh. personality, beautiful Bobby J. He fired me once. Yeah. I'm looking Just like you want to fire me. I'm no, no I, <laughs> I love you. I'm looking forward to this interview though. Yeah, Bobby, we're going to find out. I, I believe he gave Bulldog Bob Brown a golden shower and we're going to ask him straight out. Did you piss on Bulldog Bob Brown or was it a figurative piss? Uh, I think, I think he did. I believe it. I want to believe it. That's how sick I am. Coming up on the show today, we're going to give independent wrestlers some advice. We're going to talk to beautiful Bobby J. We're going to talk about heels and so much more. This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bees Cheese Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code Bees Cheese. Again, the code is B E E Z. S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. This man has been the source of controversy since the first episode of the Total Bees She's Show. People want to know, did he give the Bulldog Bob Brown a golden shower or was Mike Davidson embellishing? I'm very happy to invite Bobby J, beautiful Bobby J, significant professional wrestler Bobby J to the show. Bobby, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's an honor to be uh, on your show. You guys are doing an excellent job making me laugh every Monday. Good. Uh, some people say I, I, I don't make people laugh. I actually piss them off, and I could tell stories about that. I'm not going to tell them, though. Bobby, let's get right down to it. You worked for Bulldog Bob Brown very early in your career. Bob was the booker, and you were like an aspiring, up-and-coming baby face. Didn't he call you Bobby Janetti? Yes. Uh, uh, the way that worked out is... Uh, when I was younger, I looked just like Marty Jannetty. And before I got in the business, I actually went to a show, a uh, WWE show. And then I went to the pull up arcade after and a, a bunch of the wrestlers were calling me uh, Marty and people were asking me for autographs. One guy even bought me a beer. So back then there was like no internet or anything. So I just uh, said I was his cousin and people actually believe me. <laughs> so, so did girls like sleep with you because they thought you were Marty Jannetty? No, I was the uglier cousin, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Vance Nevada to me. Uh, sorry to drop another Vance Nevada term. I got to fit those in every week. You said you were going to be nice. I, I that, that wasn't mean. I am better looking of the two cousins. Um, so there's a question, and I told a story, and people have said, hey, you're embellishing. And, and the mental picture of beautiful Bobby J giving Bulldog Bob Brown a golden shower, the mental image is there. Did you or did you not spray Bob Brown with urine unintentionally? Okay, here's how the story went. So I was I broke in with Walter Shevchuk and Terry Tonko uh, before I, I went to Tony because Tony wanted too much money to train. So then finally I wanted to make the jumps. I talked to Tony and I got my very first uh, uh, booking with Tony to go uh, somewhere. He wouldn't tell us where it was because back then it was, he was in Ontario. We weren't allowed to uh, 
go there with all, all our paperwork or whatever. So we, it was like kind of a kayfabe show. So we, Tony had this big bus back in the day. It was like a, it was like a school bus. And then he put the ring in the middle of it, sort of, and there were seats at the back, seats at the front. And then, uh, so all the boys I, I would go in the ring, ring school bus. And end up following us would be the promoter. I won't say his name, but I'm sure I, I think all he did. And then there was a ring announcer, which I won't mention his name. And then there was Bulldog Bob Brown. I guess oh, the yeah. office was, was falling. They, they, oh, yeah. So they, they had the high-end, nice vehicle falling behind. So before I went on this trip, I mean, that boy, Brian Jewell, we had a history. We'd be roommates. We were a tag team together. We were uh, uh, buddies for, we went to the same high school. So I asked him if he'd worked for Tony. I said, on these road trips, you guys drinking? I go, oh yeah. Well, of course, Brian did back then. He just, <laughs> I believe he doesn't drink anymore. So, so I, what I did is I loaded up my uh, big gulp cup with uh, some nice, uh, nice uh, juicy paralyzers, uh, and I just sat in the back. And I was like, a lot of people know me as this outgoing guy, but actually, I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm actually pretty shy and quiet, especially back then. So I just sat in the back, sipping that paralyzer, getting drunker and drunker. And I don't think anybody else was drinking. I kind of, like, I kind of knew Jethro Hawks. He was the cousin of a girl I dated before, so I kind of bonded with him a little bit. But I mean, he was called—I don't know if he can call Jethro whatever he was called back then. Well, they're not. I didn't talk to anybody, so I'm sitting there getting drunker and drunker. So now you know what happens when you're drinking. You got to take a pee, please. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to you got to let it out. And so I'm I'm sitting in the back, literally the back seat of the bus, school bus, window seat, and I'm I, I got I got to go. So I and I did not want to disrupt anyone. They're going and road trip, whatever. And I, so I took this big gulp. I finished my paralyzer off, and uh, I happened to uh, take a whiz into that big gulp cup. So now it's sitting there, and it's like warm. It's like I don't want to seep through and get warm. <laughs> So what I did is I opened the window and I chucked it out, hoping it would go in the ditch. Well, okay. The so, law of gravity and wind. Yes. Before you go there, <laughs> the, the, let me say, up until right now, everything I've said about the story is true. So keep, Pretty much, yes. Yes. So, okay, good. Now let's hear the rest of it. But, but it did, what? So then it, so, so I guess the big gulp spirals and hits the windshield of the vehicle in the back with the office. <laughs> with Candelo, Bob Brown, and the ring announcer. And the ring announcer. Yes. So I guess the ring announcer was actually his vehicle, because I guess that's the way they do it. They get the, the lowest guy in the totem pole to supply the vehicle and drive. Yeah, who might so have had the nicest sudden, car. They, they, yeah. So, uh, so I guess uh, uh, the ring announcer pulls in front of him, makes a stop, and he gets in the, <laughs> gets in the, in the, in the, the bus, and he starts saying, who threw that? I don't think they realized it was pissed. They just realized that there was a, a drink that was thrown out. Yeah. And they freaked, and I just put my hand up all quietly and said, it was me. And they're like, well, don't do that again. We could have died out there. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, uh, we could have died. They, yeah. they could have died. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Bob Brown actually didn't get it on him, but they did get their vehicle, did get the, the golden shower. Oh. So, the the, the, the sigh the sigh you just heard from me was just echoed by every listener yeah. who's listened to episode one and has the mental picture of Bulldog Bob Brown getting pissed on. Oh, I I, I, be, I become attached to that. I yes. become attached. To, I'm gonna yeah. keep, I'm gonna keep I'm, remembering I'm that. I'm sorry one. to ruin all your dreams. Your version, no. Your, so we I'm gonna I'm gonna interpret the story my way. I'm going to believe the windows were down. It hit the windshield, went all over the place and got sucked into the car and Bulldog Bob Brown got dosed. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly. <laughs> that is the new version of this story. All right. So Bobby, around that time, 
changing changing pace a little bit. Around that time, you got a chance to wrestle television matches for WWF in 1992. I remember you teamed with Jim Powers. Was that against Money, Inc.? Yeah, I teamed with them against Money, Inc. in Winnipeg and also in Saskatoon mm-hmm. uh, against uh, the Head Shrinkers. Ooh. They were debuting that day, and they were so stiff. <laughs> they, uh, well, they worked Brian. They, I still remember them, though. Brian Jewell's in the back, and they worked him first, and they kept bumping smokes off him. <laughs> <laughs> really? Were they were they gentle so, with uh, him? Uh, I, I think a little more gentle. Then they came, oh, we got we got in trouble. We got to be more stiffer, but I think that could say about it. I know that splash I got was pretty stiff. <laughs> and you also wrestled high energy, right? Owen Hart and Coco uh, Beware. High energy, and, and I'll tell you, that was the biggest uh, cluster, Rick, I've ever <laughs> been in, in a match. The, uh, I was teamed with some guy from uh, Minnesota, and he uh, he missed a spot on, on a leapfrog. He fell. He started, tried to crawl out of the ring, and then they, they pulled him out. The, the Owen whipped him to the uh, ropes and gave him an elbow right in the face. He was pouring blood, and he tried crawling again. And then they threw him to me, and, and I wasn't supposed to take the pin. They go, and the ref said, you're taking the pin, kid. So then we had to do all this. And then I, so then it got all screwed up, and I jumped, and I was supposed to jump in and see for a hip toss. I get in there, and Coco's going, what are you doing here, kid? I'm saying, supposed to be in here. So he just gives me a shot. Just get out. Oh. <laughs> and then, then after I said, holy, that was, what, that was a cluster. And he goes, don't worry. Don't, it, you can't even tell. Like, they, they, it's on TV and they edited everything. It was, it was the worst match I'd ever been in in my life. It was so bad. And they edited that match and it aired? It aired. It, it aired, yeah. Was it some... You can see the guy bleeding again and he gets thrown into my corner. Yeah. If you ever watch it, you see him. Like, you have to load these matches to YouTube. I think people would want to see beautiful Bobby J's WWF career. They are. I've got a beautiful Bobby J. YouTube of search beautiful Bobby J. I actually have a YouTube channel. Oh, good. Those matches are all on there. We'll search it. Yeah. Okay, so from there, you ended up becoming, I, I know you went to River City and were a tag team champion, then you ended up in the CWF, but one, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you became a promoter and a, and a fairly successful, actually significantly successful promoter of Top Rope Championship Wrestling in a time in Winnipeg where there was a rival promotion called CWF and, and there was a promotional rivalry that I think people still t- look back on to this day because there was legitimate heat between the two to the two companies. Um, did you prefer promoting or did you like just being one of the boys and being a wrestler? Well, at the time, I, I, I loved promoting. It was fun. And uh, the, the fact that we had this uh, war with Ernie was actually good. It really lit a fire under me. And I was, every time we get a venue and I'd announce, I could see, I could almost see Ernie just cringing and getting mad and getting fired up. So, oh, so I made me work harder. <laughs> Bobby, you stooge. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, promoting was a lot of fun, but I still tried to be one of the boys with, uh, uh, when it came to promoting. And, uh, so, so well-known fact that during your time as a promoter, top rope championship wrestling, I became your booker for a short time. Business went on fire and then I got fired. <laughs> Tell that story. Well, uh, <laughs> you're, you're my favorite promoter. You're my favorite booker I ever fired. Yeah. I'm the only booker you ever fired. But, well, that's not the point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so I guess uh, uh, you were good at m- motivating the, the group. You had great ideas, but I felt that you were a little more favoritism toward the top end guys, the kind of not even worrying about the bottom end guys. And they were the ones that were coming up to me. And I, I, I'm kind of an underdog kind of guy, so I kind of felt bad. So I just told you I had to fire you. And then I, I went to the ring that night. And I guess you would you would have uh, told the whole crowd about it. Yeah, I stooged off. Baby, baby face owner. Yeah, I go I go to the ring to, to do my thing as a babyface owner, setting up the whatever matchup or whatever, and everyone just started healing on me, healing on me. And then someone threw one of my shirts right on me, and I said, oh. so I had to turn heel right then and there, like on the spot. <laughs> yeah. so when they threw his shirt, I said, I don't care, you paid for it, and then you got even better. Yeah. And then I, 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 
and then we actually me and you made amends, uh, and we actually you came back as a booker, and we actually had a match. Yeah, turned it into a match, <laughs> turned it into an angle. Yes, and it worked out good. And yep. then uh, uh, you guys ended up uh, starting up PCW, and I, I ran for another year or two. And then by the end, I felt the quality of my shows weren't as good as anybody should be watching. And plus, my second son was being born. Yeah, I was like Mister Mom during the day while my cause my wife would work during the day, and then I. I'd work in the evenings running my sports leagues or going out to the wrestling show. So we, I, I take care of the kids. So I decided, what well, I'm going to pack her in. And, and, and I did. But the, some of my claims to fame, though, is I, uh, I was the one who discovered Sarah Stock, or she discovered me. Yes. I was, uh, she, uh, she's going to do marvelous things. She's back in the ring again. She, uh, I, I brought a tape and a cover letter to the wise guys on campus bar. It was on the university. There's still a bar there. I'm not even sure what it's called, but I was trying to pitch a show there. And I guess she was a waitress there and she popped in the tape and she came and saw me and said she wanted to get in. She had never watched wrestling and she was a kickboxer. And so we started training her. And then at one point we wanted her to get in front of some people. So I said, uh, you're, we're, you're going to, we're going to introduce you as a new outstanding rookie at Valley Gardens. And then, uh, and then uh, Daisy Desire, I don't know if you remember her. I don't, but I, rem- I remember the okay. name, and I remember she had an, a distinct look. And uh, so anyway, we, uh, we, I told her when you get out there, Daisy Desire's going to cut you off, and she's going to give you DDT. And Sarah says to me, what's a DDT? <laughs> <laughs> she never watched wrestling. <laughs> I swear to God, that was her first time in the, in the, uh, in the ring. And then, uh, right after that, she uh, hooked up with, I think, Eddie Watts and someone else went on a road like right away. Vance Nevada took her to the Maritimes. Fire. Is that what it was? Yeah, I believe so. Matter, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then, of course, Kenny Omega's first matches, or first 100 matches or so, were with Top Rope Championship Wrestling, which I promoted. But uh, if you see Wikipedia and it says that I trained Kenny Omega, that is not true. <laughs> the only person I ever trained in my life was uh, the act. Okay, just like I'm going to say you gave Bulldog Bob Brown a golden shower, stick with what Wikipedia says and let, let people believe you trained <laughs> Kenny Omega. Like, you don't need to discourage people from believing that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe there's not yeah. already a school opened up. Bobby J's, yeah. where Kenny Omega tra- trained. So uh, another, yeah, sorry, uh, another fact of of you training or you promoting rather was the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith's last match. I know you were going to get to that, but wow, like yeah. that's quite a that's quite an accomplishment too. Well, it's an ominous accomplishment, but. I, I understand that when that happened, you actually had a deal to do more business with Davey. He was going to come in as a regular for you, right? Yeah, he said he was. He would he helped me out in a, in a lot of ways to bring in other guys too, and he would come in like like two hour flight to Calgary, right? So yeah, that was good. And I was kind of giving Harry some work too, and and but yeah, I dropped off the airport, uh, and, and then a few days later, he passed yeah, away. Five like, days or something. You know that I, I've always thought that 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 would have changed the landscape so much in Winnipeg because at the time, like PCW had started with a lot of momentum, and then you fired back with with Davy, and that was huge. And if you had been able to use Davy yeah. like once every every month or two. I don't know that PCW, where I was booking at that point, I don't know how we would have countered that. Like, that would have been a major score for you. Yeah, and if uh, Sonny would have showed up, <laughs> it would have helped too. <laughs> I got a Sonny story. Yeah, well, let's hear oh, it. Great. I can't tell my Sonny stories because she's threatened to sue me if I if I make her look bad, but you can tell yours. Okay, so uh, the we, the month before we had Davey Boy, we had, we had Sonny booked to uh, be at doubles at a, at a bar show. Like, in, in perfect for her. Like, right, and I had Chris Candido booked too. So I sent them half a deposit. Half, and I, I paid for their plane tickets, which back then were way more expensive for one. And for two, uh, uh, once you send it to them, it's theirs. So they could, so they, they no showed the first show. I was at the airport waiting, waiting. They no show. Then, uh, she, uh, had some excuse that, uh, they were double booked or something and that or whatever. 
so then uh, they said they would do my next show. When is it? I told them. I told them it was actually the show day before it was going to be on. It was going to be an all age. It was an all age show, and they said, "Yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there." And then so the, the day before, she's not answering her phone like the whole week. So finally, she I get a hold of her, and she goes, "Oh, we're double booked for Boston." She's there. There's someone I can do. I'll cut a promo and say we're so sorry. We'll be at the next one. So I, I was doing business with Joe Aiello with his no hold bars. So I gave her Joe's phone number and she left a voicemail and he calls me back goes, Oh my God, was that really funny? Either I can't air that. I say to no, she was just out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so they, anyway, so they no show the second show and I, so I write it off or whatever. I'm done. We're not going to do business, trying to do business and advertise them again. And then, so then I, I went on the, the internet, which just starting out. So I did a big press release, just burying them. They like burying them. Yep. And then Chris Candido calls me. And he just loses it. He goes, you, you stop saying stuff about us or I'm going to come here and break your legs. At least then he would have shown up. Yeah. Like, wow. But yeah, so that, that was a, my Sonny and Cadito story. So I never did see them. I've got a follow-up to that story up. if you want to hear it. Sure. So many years later, I become very tight with 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 Sonny. And she she was talking to me every day and she's on the internet putting me over and saying she wants to marry me. And one day she calls me and she says, who the F is Ryan Wood? And I said, oh, he's a, he's a wrestler from Winnipeg and, and like he hasn't been wrestling for a few years. Why? And she said, well, he contacted me and he said, I no showed him in 2002 and that it cost him a lot of money. And he said he would, it would, he would consider it square if I gave him an OnlyFans show for free. So Woody, <laughs> who was not the promoter, he might've been booked on the show that, that she no showed on, tried to get her, get her to show him her boobies in return for her <laughs> no showing for you. Typical Ryan Wood. Yeah. Well, if he got the picture, I hope he sends it to me. Yeah, I'm, exactly. You're the, you're the injured party <laughs> and he's trying to cash in for you. <laughs> Legend. That's funny. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, is there any other funny stories you wanted to talk about? Like from your time on the road or, or, or I know you used to go to Minnesota a lot and a lot of Minnesota independent promoters and wrestlers and wrestling fans will know you and like your time in Winnipeg. What's, what's, what's your funniest road story? Well, uh, one of the funny ones was we were booked for Ernie to go to the West Virginia for, uh, for that um, NWA anniversary show. So, it was me, Stardom, and Merck, and then we had uh, Sugar Shane, Sugar Shane Rogers or whatever, yes. the referee. Yes. So, so, so we get to Minneapolis, we buy 54 beers, <laughs> 54 beers, me, Merck, and Stardom, and Sugar Shane's the driver, and by Chicago, they were all gone. Whoa, 54 <laughs> bottles of beer on the wall, and they don't even make it. Yeah. That's a six-hour drive. That's not, yeah, that's not far. That's, that's. Yeah, we, we powered it. I but, think that's 13 I beers each. Beer power. 18 each. 18 each. Wow. wow. Three least... beers an hour, 20 minute beer. Who, who, who can't drink a beer in 20 minutes? How many times did you have to stop and piss? Or did you just oh, throw oh, the piss at Bob but... Brown? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If he was behind me, I would have considered it. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Bobby J. You're Walter's boy. And it's funny. So we got more beer in Chicago than we were going through Columbus, Ohio. And there was this bum on the street. And he had his, he wanted to get money. So we said, hey, we have no money. But do you want some beer? He goes, yeah. So we had another couple of cans of beers and we drove away. And he just stared at those beers like he won the lottery. Yeah, that's so better funny. That's better than giving him cash. Well, that's what he wanted the cash for. He probably. was probably, he was probably yeah, happy about that. Saved him a trip. Okay, so now it's been, you, you shut down TRCW in 2003 or four. So that's been about 18 years. Are you going to announce that you're bringing it back here on the Total Bishu show? No, I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, I still get a, I still want to have one more wrestling match and then I'll be calling it a career. I haven't wrestled since uh, the pandemic started. And it was my last match I did have, there was like a rookie just in front of 20 people. So I kind of want to go over the, 
in a better style than that. Oh no, Bobby, you miss it. You're what was your? How many people were at your first match? Uh, probably less than that. <laughs> okay, so you came full circle. You started in front of twenty and you ended in front of twenty. Don't go out in front of a big crowd. <laughs> yeah, my very first match was at the Merchant Hotel. Oh, that sounds like a, just a high end joint, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I used to get Stalker's Avenue. It's no longer there. And I remember it was all on the show. There was Marty Goldstein was on his show. Doug McCall, the frog who I worked with. A guy named Mark Charles. Yeah, he teamed with Chi Chi Cruz at one point as the Rock Connection. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Frank Starr and that Joe, what was his name? Joe Donna's, or he looked like uh, he should be living on Main Street somewhere. Oh. What was his name? I don't know. Joe, was it Joe Apollo? Yeah, that's, that's him, yeah. <laughs> you just pulled a Candelo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's him. <laughs> that, that's, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, before you go, tell me your favorite Wayne Stanton story, because everyone's got one. Well, I love Wayne. Like, honestly, Everyone does. I've always had a place in my heart for him. Yeah, I, the first time I actually met him, he was working at the community center at Chalmers. Well, I used to go there and play ball and coach ball, whatever. That was my whole community center. And then he ended up getting into the wrestling business that way. But he was like just working and gets extra money as a, I don't know, caretaker or whatever. The guy sits in the office. So he doesn't probably remember this. Back then, these girls had a camera. And uh, I, I opened my thing up and they took a dick pic. And then Wayne took the camera and said, you're not getting that back. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne confiscated your dick pic? Uh, he might have. I don't know if he even remembers that. Or if he even got him developed. He probably doesn't even know there's a dick pic on her. Just, I don't know what happened there. So my one of my favorite stories is... Uh, I was also actually, when I started Top Rope Championship Wrestling, I was going to buy the ring and off of Wayne and inherit his crew and everything. And then at the last second, I had a ring truck bought. I was ready to go pick up the ring that morning. He goes, oh, there's a problem. I sold to Ernie Todd. So He double-crossed really? you. So uh, double-crossed me. So when I ended up getting a, a better ring built on my own anyway, but so I went up to a bumper. Because uh, I guess uh, Ernie took it over, and then Wayne was a uh, ring announcing. So I went up to him. And I had a, I had a small claims of subpoena or whatever you call it in my hand. I went up to shake his hand like he can do the handshake like when he gives you a payoff. And I had a thing. So he takes a quick look at it. Then he starts swearing and stopping. I've only seen him swear a few times. That was one of them. And he's still, oh, I'm sure coward. And the F4 came out several times. <laughs> and I just walked away for a bull crop up the truck I had or whatever. Just to I, get a good sell out of Wayne. Yeah, I got a rise out of him, I'll tell you. One last thing, Bobby. You are such an entrepreneurial guy. You have this amazing backyard, great pool, and like Airbnb superstar, you're renting that out to anybody. How, mu- how much does it cost and how many hours do they get? It's, a, it's a $50 an hour, and then you can uh, bring people there and you just get people to chip in, and they got the pool and hot tub, and uh, there's a bar fridge there, there's a TV overlooking the, the pool. Uh, and a bar. So it's a, it's a great little place to have a little private gathering. So, All right. So $50 an hour. So for four hours, you can get it for 200 bucks. You can have it on a Saturday afternoon starting at 1130 and end at 330 or whatever you want. Do they have to book it? Like yeah. they, it can't be open-ended. They can't say, oh, we're going to take it and we're going to give you 50. And then when we're done, we'll give you 600 bucks. They have to commit to a time beforehand. Yes. Yeah, so it's actually, I use an app called Swimply, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with Airbnb. Yeah. But it's very similar to that. It's like a Swiss uh, Airbnb for pool. It's under after that, it's slash pool details slash one three zero four zero. Okay, play it back if you need to, because I didn't write it down. But uh, rent Bobby J's pool and bring lots of hot girls there, and and maybe I'll just crash the yeah, and maybe I'll crash the party. Yes, because I've actually had some uh, awesome parties there, grad parties. I've had a, a swimsuit shoot, and I've had a nude model shoot in my backyard. 
Oh, well, I, I didn't. You didn't let me know ahead yeah. of time that you were booking nude models. I would have come over it nude do, for it that. It doesn't count if you're if you're taking pictures of yourself. <laughs> nude selfies. <laughs> the guy's name is beautiful Bobby J. Thank you so much for making some time for us. I promise we'll have you on again uh, in the future. We'll talk more about your actual in ring career. I just wanted to hear some funny stories and confirm that you actually did give Bulldog Bob Brown a golden shower, as I thought, as I told people. I didn't and want to look like correct. a liar. Yeah, 100%. that's and that you trained Kenny Omega. Like it's an honor to have Kenny Omega's trainer, <laughs> according to Wikipedia, here on the show. It's I'm a big gonna, day. Yeah, it's a great day for the Total Beasties show. Hope you have a great night, Bobby, and we're going to talk to you again soon. Thank you, guys. You're doing a great job, as always, and feel free to have me on any time. I'd love to talk more. Yes. There's so much I could share over my 32 career, 30 plus year career. Definitely. Thank you, Bob. The Total Bees She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total Bees She's Show on Twitter at Total Bees She's, on Instagram at Total Bees She's, or search us on Facebook, Total Bees She's. I hear it, I hear it all the time. People say to me, you guys have sold me on watching Heels because listening to you talk about it made me want to watch it. That's a compliment. Thank you. Um, we've talked now about five episodes of Heels. And I've never told you who my favorite character is. And everyone's going to say, oh, it's Alison Luff. It's the only thing he talks about. Guess what? No. Nope. And I'm going to tell you that before we finish talking about episode six. Episode six, I actually am going to tell you of the five before the six episodes I've watched. Now, five episodes I've watched. Five, six. What is it? Six. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm confusing you, Chris. I'm doing that to make sure you're on the you ball. Just throw me numbers here. Of the six episodes I watched, episode six was my favorite. Really? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you the turnbuckle rating until we're done talking, okay. but what did you see in the episode, Chris? Uh, I, I really like this episode, too. I can't say if it's my favorite yet or not, because we haven't hit when the When I'm done talking about it, it's going to be your favorite. But uh, Okay, so we opened the episode, and it's it's kind of dark. It was kind of a dark opening. It's got Willie. She's up in the office, and she sees Jack Jack's father, Jack Spade's father, King Spade, and he's very depressed and very weepy-looking, and, and you sort of get a you get a feeling like, oh, this guy is a depressive. Calls himself a failure. He calls himself a failure, and he, he's very weepy about it. And and you're like, oh, this is this is why Jack and Ace are kind of screwed up. up. They're yeah. messed up. Yeah. This is why they're messed up. It was really a dark opening, and then it cuts right to Jack getting a call about the the uh, State Fair, Georgia <laughs> State Fair, and they're like, we're not selling any tickets. Yeah, oh, it's oh. indie wrestling. Now, let me tell you, this is what would happen. You get the big guarantee. Big, yeah! We got the guarantee. We're gonna we're gonna be big stars. We're gonna be at the fair. You then have to sell those tickets. Now, tell me in real life, how does you how do you go from drawing two hundred people in the dome to you're gonna run how many thousands of people? Ten, 12? ten. ten thousand. Ten thousand. It isn't realistic. No. It isn't going to happen. But you listen to Jack on this episode and. Oh, we'll get there. I know we will. And so far in the season, everything Jack has tried to do, he's failed on. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna do this big social media channel. We're gonna make money off our tape library, and it doesn't happen by yet. The social media got over. It was they talk about it. Oh, being, he's made lots of money with it. No, not money, but they talk about it also being failed a, a viral sensation. Oh. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the tape library is it was ludicrous. In one episode, Jack says to Ace. I challenged The Rock on Twitter because I thought it would be a good angle if he'd come down and help yeah. us out. You're a mark for thinking he's going to even sell. Or see the tweet. Yeah, exactly. For that matter. So now he's like, he gets the call and he's got to worry about selling tickets. 
he has no way to sell those tickets. He was hoping the fair would pay this guarantee and the fair would know how to market and sell tickets. I, I just, it's, it's common to me that people think, oh, if we could just get a deal with the, with the local big, big festival, we could, we'll draw 15,000 people. They're all going to be fans of our show after the, we, we, we run our show because we're so good. It doesn't happen like that. No. And, and it's called managing your expectations and being realistic. And Jack Spade does not have that. The writers did a good job of making Jack look like a schmuck. They did this episode. Like I Every feel like, episode. I feel like other episodes, they were, they're almost trying to make you make him a little bit sympathetic while being a jerk. This time they're like, no, we're going full jerk with him. Jack and Ace are supposed to be the stars of the show. And all they did is make them both not likable. You know, I mean, this is a bit of sidebar, but you know who I think is the star of the show? Honestly. Oh, while Bill. Oh, I think it's Wild Bill. They sh- yes, he's he's such a the guy is such a good actor. I'm going to jump ahead on your notes. I bet. Oh, go ahead. Let's. That's do it. what happens we'll when jump you have around. a We're having a conversation. Yeah, Wild Bill actually shows human compassion in this episode. Yes, there's yes. a scene with Willie where it comes out what their history is and why they were intimate. And we're going to get to that. That's right at the oh, end of here. Uh, oh, I can't. I can't no, jump. No, not yet. Don't jump ahead because uh, I'm going. I'm going right to the big. I, I know you climax. Want, okay. I know you want to. Okay, but let's go. We find out a couple of little things about the roster. Apocalypse is in AA. They do an AA meeting at, at the, uh, yep. the Dome. Uh, that was kind of nice and cute, and he cuts a little bit of a promo in his AA thing. Um, Rooster, the guy who's been disgruntled the whole time, he's meeting with Charlie Gully of Dystopia Wrestling, <laughs> which is a great, great promoter name, by the way. Charlie Gully, that, like, that's a greasy promoter if sure. I've ever heard it. Ernie Todd's also a greasy promoter name. Hey, no, I, I, no. I that was me just taking a, f- a little shot. Yeah, so he's trying to scoop Rooster. Rooster's like, nah, I'm not into your stuff. He throws down a thousand dollars, and would never would, happen. Would, yeah, no promoter would have a thousand on him. Uh, and then Rooster throws it back at him in the parking lot. Okay. Also, would never happen. So, Jeff Dick had lots of money, lots of money. He had he had that kind of money in his pocket yeah. in a money clip, hundred dollar bills. Jeff Dick might offer me a thousand dollars if I was leaving to stay, but I ran the company. Yeah. I was imperative to the to the company, and I was on salary. But if I said to him, we can get Mentolo from PCW at the time, that's where he worked. But it might take us a thousand dollars. Yeah. Jeff Dick would have looked at me perplexed and said, how much does he make over there? Like, would that, like, that seems like an extremely high raise. Yeah. Now, how much would, would, uh, um, Rooster be making with, with DWL? Well, I mean, it's hard to tell because they put it over a thousand like, a year. No, maybe? no, yeah, maybe a thousand a year. Yeah, exactly. So he's gonna slap a thousand in cash. And and Rooster System, don't treat me like a stripper, right? Isn't yeah. that what he says? Yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I have to imagine that he'd be making like he'd be making the big fifty dollar roll. You know, maybe of a hundred. Yeah, maybe you see no because they're drawing some decent numbers with no names. But yeah, he he says don't you know don't treat me like a stripper. No wrestler would throw that thousand dollars back. They'd either say I can't accept it because I'm staying at DWL, and they'd be polite about it because they want that money yeah. when they do jump, or they take the money and they say I'll be at your next show, and they don't show up. Or no, they they do like they do, or, 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 or they, they do. say Can I work for both? That's yeah. actually what most independent wrestlers say. Yeah. Can I take this thousand dollars? Can I wrestle for you and still wrestle for DWL? Guaranteed, that's the first thing an independent wrestler asks. Hundred percent, what I would do. And when they don't give it back, no. but again, the promoter doesn't put a thousand dollars on the table like that during the. TRCW, CWF promoter war in Winnipeg, which was as hot as it ever was. Ernie maybe did that with Paul Diamond, formerly Max Moon and Cato of yeah. WWE when he moved to Winnipeg. Maybe there was a thousand dollars played around like that, but it was not a thousand cash put in front of you like you're a cheap. No, just a little, 
bonus or yeah, you know, this is what you'll make in the month if you stay if you work for me. Yeah, that's that's how that went. But yeah, not believable. Next point. All right, moving on. Uh, it's a big Jim, big Jim from from the early episodes. It says his baptism of his child, and Ace is going to be baptizing the ch- or not baptizing. He's going to be making a speech. Yeah. Which, when you think of a guy making a speech in a church, you don't exactly think of Ace. No. But they are showing some human element to Ace for the first time in the in the the season. They are, and another interesting thing that came after that because that comes a bit later. But at the dome, he's renting it out for a jewelry sale. He's renting it out for. I guess we find out that they rent out the dome for other things, which makes sense because you've got that building. It's nice building. It's a monstrous building, though. Like now, now I get how. Like before, before I was like, how are they keeping the lights on? And now, yeah. Like, oh, okay. yeah, he's turning turning it yeah. into like a convention or whatever center, a multi-purpose yeah. space type thing. Yeah, get as much money out of it as you can. And so Jack's all jacked up about uh, doing the the Dicky Valentine podcast, which is Mick Foley. Mick Foley, yeah, Mick and Mick Foley plays it really well. He plays a you know like a bit of a almost a little bit of a prick, kind of like kind of like you and me, kind of like yeah, kind of like yeah. us. Which one of us is the prick though? Oh, both of us. Oh, good. Okay, I thought you were going to point a finger at me. That's how we balance it out. All right, yes, yeah. Uh, So Mick played it really well. Um, They they do the podcast. Jack's excited about it because this guy's got some profile. But the first thing he brings up is he wants to talk about Jack's father killing himself. And Jack is immediately like, I don't want to talk about that. Of course he does Obviously, why would you? Yeah. On a podcast, no less. Dickie says, you know, this is what makes my listeners interested. You want me to promote your show? This is how we get people interested. And Jack just gets up and he powders. Yeah. And I don't blame Jack for that. That, that should have been off limits. The one thing, if that really happened in real life, the one compliment is at least he started with it and he didn't, he didn't hit him with it late and kind yeah. of cheap it. Right. He came right out with it. Didn't squeeze it in. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, see if I was Jack in that situation, I would, I, I would choose to say something positive. Think of how many times Kevin Von Eric had to talk about his brothers. Oh yeah. And, and he didn't just get up and say, it happened. You got to talk about it. You got to own it. Um, but Jack is Jack, like as a promoter, ugh, the, when you're a promoter, you always have to be a salesman and you always have to think, Hey, if I'm, if I treat, if I act a certain way, I might turn this into a potential customer, right? And and you don't want to think of people as customers, but you, if you're a good people person, you can be a good promoter and Jack is a booker, promoter, and a wrestler. And unfortunately, I don't know, I don't know enough from the, what they show of the matches if he's a great wrestler. I can tell you from what they do in storyline on this show, he's a terrible booker. And I don't, I, I don't think he's a good promoter, even though there's people in the seats because they write them to be there. Okay, so we mentioned the baptism. Um, Jack's wife, played by the wonderful... Allison Luft. Yeah, Stacy's her name. Stacy's her name. Stacy's her name. Yeah, I'm on learning the show. that. Um, she she sort of turned the screws to him earlier, saying, "You know, I you better be at this because she's going to sing. She's going to sing. You better be at this baptism. It's a family thing." And he's, "Oh yeah, yeah, but I can't blow off the podcast, but I'll be there." He shows up late to the baptism, so we're just jumping right to that. He shows up late to the baptism. She's sung her song already, which was wonderful, by mm-hmm. the way. And he's in he, but he does the old thing where you come in the back and you stand there and you act like you were there the whole time even though you weren't. And she knows it. She knows it. hundred yeah. percent. That never works. If anybody's ever thinking of doing that at a wedding or anything like that, guys, it doesn't work. It just doesn't. You're going to get caught every time. So I just said he was a bad promoter. Yeah. I said he was a bad booker. I think he's not that great of a wrestler. 
And he's a bad husband he's, too. He's a bad husband too. And a bad person. And Ace comes out looking like the baby face here because he, he cuts a bit of a promo and he does very heartfelt. Like yeah. you could feel the feeling. You're like, oh, you know, I don't he, mind Ace now. Like going you, into this, I hated him. You can see the story arc there with him where now all of a sudden, even though everybody watching it wants Bobby Pin and Crystal ended up together, but Ace is, you can see Ace, Ace and, and Crystal still have that spark, right? Yeah. And to, to be fair though, to be fair to Jack, before we move on to that. I'll be fair to, yeah. Let's be fair. Just to, like, yeah. I know you hate him. I, 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 I think you almost mentioned Vance Nevada again. I get a nickel every time I say his name. Um, Jack did leave the podcast early because he walked out and there was a road accident that prevented him. That, that was a clip. He was trying to come there. There's a road accident. He had to turn around. So he might've been on time. Sure. And you know what? If I, if I was a bad husband and I knew it, and I get stuck in that accident. I'm taking 50 different pictures. Oh yeah, me in. So just, you can see me in just, there, right? Just videos. So to prove I was there and I couldn't get around it, uh, I would definitely be t- proving that there was an accident that screwed this up for me. So so Jack gets there late. He's in trouble. All that sort of stuff. Crystal though is swooning a little bit over Ace after a little. Bit, she, he shows a little bit of heart. And that you can kind of see it. She they cut to her, and you can see it in her face. She's kind of eh. kind of punched me in the gut. You yeah. know why? Because I wanted her to end up with Bobby. Yeah, yeah. But she's so hung up on Ace. Well, she tries to later on. She tries to go to Willie for direction because she feels like okay. Because she's in she's in hot water because she broke the script, right? She, she broke the script, and and Willie blames her for Bobby getting his leg broke because she went oh. off script, as if like. That Wouldn't have happened that way, but yeah. Yeah, so she tries to get some direction like, hey, I don't have a guy now. I can't manage Ace. I can't manage Bobby because he's on the shelf for who knows how long. What do I do? And Willie just blows her off. Willie's just kind of a B. Well, no, I, I like Willie. That's uh, that's how I might be as a booker if Talon's bugging me about something and I don't want to talk about it. The thing is, she's worried about what her role's going to be, who she's going to manage, all this stuff. And it's like, if you're really talented... And and there's nothing for you, then you just say, okay, I, I'm not going to come to the show, and I'm gonna, I'll probably go to Dystopia because you're not using me. Yeah. And sure enough, Booker promoter with any kind of merit would then say, no, 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 we we got something for you, and the, they'll start working on it, right? She, but if you got no confidence in your abilities or or whatever, if you're really in the doghouse, you you ask for a meeting with the Booker, and you say like, hey, I, it's. it's it's been that story all all season. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Ah, it, it doesn't really happen. Like a good booker would never let it get to that. Yeah, well, she wants to be a worker, and it's it's clear. I mean, obviously, we're probably maybe going to move towards that. I don't know what season two holds because I haven't seen it yet. Obviously, yeah. but um, then we move into what I call the apology section of the show, where everybody's apologizing to everybody. First, Crystal apologizes to Bobby for for getting his leg broken. Bobby apologizes back for no reason because he didn't do anything. Because he's such a nice guy. He is. Ace apologizes to Bobby at the barbecue after the baptism, helps him with a plate. Bobby Pin eats this terrible... <laughs> amount of ranch dressing. Ranch dressing on everything, including yeah. the cob of corn. We're That's not, how they do it down south, I think. I'm not getting into that. That was disgusting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's part... But then Bobby part, is like... So the guy broke his leg... One guy broke the other guy's leg and he comes up and apologizes and Bobby's like, hey man, don't, it's all good. Don't. Yeah. He's so like down home Midwestern. Almost, yeah. Like. And it's on like, it, it's unrealistic. The thing about Bobby is he admits he's not smart. Like he didn't even know yeah. what the Vietnam War, he didn't war know was. The Vietnam War, yeah. And, and like he, he's so like naive and impressionable. I've seen that a couple times in wrestling. Oh yeah. Where he, the, he's homespun. And, yeah. And a guy comes in shucks. and he's not bright. Yeah. And, it, but if you can teach him the, 
not to have happy feet and train him to be a decent worker. He can be a great worker because it often translates into a good baby face who's just likable. And that's what Bobby Pin is. Yeah. If not being bright excluded you from athletics, there'd not be very many. See, I'm the opposite of Bobby Pin. Oh, here we go. This He's is where not Mike very puts bright. Over as a genius, and I'm t- and I like to think I'm too smart. Right. Guess what? People like the not very bright guy more than the guy who th- who knows he's bright. Hundred percent. It's a burden. Mm. This brilliance, I often say, <laughs> as I look up, God, it's becoming an issue. I don't. Uh, I don't think I've ever looked like a village idiot in a room. Although there's probably people listening right now. You're always a village idiot. S- send us your stories. Yeah. The yeah. By all means, I, we'll share them. I'm not scared of them. All right. So we move on to Rooster, and it's the same old song and dance with him. He wants a upper spot. He wants a top spot, but Jack totally blows him off. Like I mean, doesn't he's he all, tell him not to smoke in front of the building? Yeah. That that was no. That yeah. That was in front of the building. But yeah. th- this is after. This is don't at that smoke bar- in front of the fans. This is at the barbecue, and and he tr- he comes to him nicely, and he's very quiet and very. And Jack's just like, it's the same thing with you, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about it later. Like, so now it's like, okay, Rooster's out, right? You you have to imagine that Rooster's going to be out. Yeah, but so Rooster kind of played his, played it bad. He's got a promoter offering him $1,000, and he could probably demand a push with that $1,000. But he's staying loyal to the guy who blows him off and is very dismissive to his concerns. Take the $1,000, ask for the push, go to dystopia. Simple, 100%. simple math. And Jack should learn that part of being a great booker is being a great motivator, as Wayne Stanton and I talked about last week. Motivate your people to believe in your vision, and they'll stay with you. Even if it, even if your vision today isn't that they're going to be on top, but they're going to get positioned closer to the top a month from now or two months from now, they'll stay because that's what they want. Yeah, and so here's the here's the next part of the apology train. We've got Crystal apologizing to Ace, Ace apologizing to Crystal. It's, it was just all apologies, and and so that's th- why you didn't like this episode. I didn't. Well, no, I liked this episode. It was just too much apologies. It's hard to say. I'm but sorry, Chris. It, it is, and and staying with the theme of apologies. Here's the big sell. Here's the big finish at the end that you wanted. To Where talk it tells about. the story. Wild Bill goes to Willie. Yeah, and it comes out that she was Wild Bill's valet. And she dropped him because she thought King Spade and her as a package had a better chance to make it. And they were dating too. Yeah. And Bill and her were dating. And then Bill ends up being the one to make it. King Spade ends up depressed and ultimately offs himself. And Willie ends up this kind of, I think they're trying to say a bitter woman who... Who drinks Jack Daniels out of a cup all She's day. very masculine. Yeah. Um, now, all of a sudden, Wild Bill is a human being, as opposed to just a degenerate prick... And same with Ace this episode. Yeah, they, they filled in a lot with Wild Bill. Like in in his speech, he reveals like that he loved Willie. And it and hurt. It, and her dumping him destroyed him, but he held on to that pain and used it. I was like, oh, this is so good. That's true. I, I, anytime I ever got dumped by a girl, I lost 100%. 20 pounds, looked better, and it came back stronger. 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. A breakup can be the best thing that happens to you. It, it, it sucks it, like crap. Oh, yeah. It feels like you got a hole in you and there's wind blowing through it. Like, yeah, it's, if it's you use awful. it as motivation, you can come back stronger. Yeah, so this was, this was really, really good. I can't do it justice, and I'm not going to lay it all out for you folks, but I hope you watch it if you haven't. Yeah. Because... This is what steals the show for me, and this is what sold me on Wild Bill as being my favorite character. So we're six episodes in, two more to go. If you haven't watched it yet, it's Heels on Stars. Get to episode seven, because that's what we're talking about next week. The characters we've talked about, Jack Spade, Ace Spade, Rooster, Bobby Pin, Crystal, uh, Stacy, his wife, played by Allison Luff, Willie, who's a woman, Wild Bill, who am I missing? Uh, the dystopia promoter, uh, Gully. Charlie Gully. Charlie, Charlie Gully. Gully. 
CM Punk cameos, Mick Foley cameos. There are so many reasons to watch this show. Yeah. Catch up. It's going to take seven out, six, six, seven hours. You can binge watch it in a week and catch up to us at episode seven. Yeah, watch an episode a day. Now I'm going to tell you. Uh-oh. The best character on this show, the one I relate to the most as most realistic, is Bobby Pin. Bobby Pin, okay. Because when I met Adam Knight in 1995. Oh, it's just another Adam Knight. He was story. a little bit naive. Yeah. Likeable. Tried to be a nice guy. Tried to fit in. Tried real hard to fit in. A lot of rookies try too hard to fit in. Bobby Pin's the kind of guy you'd want in the locker room. You could rib him. He'll laugh it off. He doesn't take anything personal. You break his leg. He says, sorry for, hey, man, I'm sorry. I, I You had to break my leg. Yeah. But I would love to have a Bobby Pin on my roster. I wouldn't love to have a Jack Spade in my dressing room. No. I would not like to be in a dressing room that Jack Spade's the booker of. I don't think Jack Spade's a good promoter. But that's part of what makes this show good. As somebody who's been in the business, all the things I see that would have been done different and better, then the show wouldn't have the drama it does. Ace Spade, I I didn't warm up too much after this episode. I still hope that Crystal ends up with Bobby. Yeah, me too. I didn't warm up to Wild Bill because like it was a sob story and I just didn't feel it. You went on to the big company and got fired for showing your pecker on a plane. Willie I like. But Bobby is my favorite character because it's, there's an authenticness to him. And, and that's what I like. You know, you know what? I just had a kind of a lightning bolt. I think if we had asked some passerby, some listener of our podcast, it, who would pick Bobby Pin as their favorite and who would pick Wild Bill as their favorite, I think they probably would have thought you'd pick Wild Bill. He, he's sort of that gritty. Anytime I had a veteran who... who like a gritty veteran was, name. So like, in WFX, I had, I had all these ex WWE guys. I had Bushwhacker Luke, Bob Hawley, Billy Gunn, Eugene, Hurricane Helms, uh, Sean Devari. Gangrel. Gangrel. Oh, what a great guy he was. None of them were greasy like that. Honky is the closest thing I come to to be greasy like that. Yeah. And I didn't like Honky as you know why. Well, a lot of those guys were, those are like the, the guys you're talking about are like more the attitude era guys. Whereas yeah. while Bill, I feel like is the eighties, nineties guys. That's a, was a different era. I, you definitely, I'm sure. Like, I had well, Bushwhacker you, Luke. That's true. That's but true. he was an authentic, genuine person. Yeah, that is true. You're not wrong there. I, I'm saying I, straight out honky tonk, man. I feel like those guys from that era though, the yeah. stories that I hear, those guys from that era are more wild built than a Gangrel, for example. Gangrel sort of came in a different era. Hell of a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. But so the reason I don't like wild Bill is, I, I wouldn't relate to him. If I was a booker and a guy was pulling that shit, I would figure out a way to work with him and get on a, a professional level with him, but I wouldn't really like him. Um, and as a person, he's greasy. Like you get fired for showing your dong on a plane. Like, mm, I don't respect it. Yeah. But uh, the Bobby Pin, I like, because I, as a young guy, I would take a liking to him and want to see him succeed. And that's, that's what I think. Okay. Now, do you want to talk turnbuckles? Yeah, I was just going to... Do you know how many times look. I get a text from people saying, I gave AWE, or sorry, AEW last night three or three turnbuckles or whatever. And it's like, wow, yeah, it's catching know, on. You know what? I, I hope you all do that. Go on our Instagram and, and that's tell us. Pro- so, that's going to be message. producer Chris's legacy, he, yeah. the, the turnbuckle rating. So it's out of 12 because there's four posts and three turnbuckles per post, so 12 turnbuckles. I'm giving this episode 11. 
Wow. I've never given 11. I'm giving it 11. I, I'm not far behind, but I'm not fully at 11. I know, because you didn't like it. No, I did like the show. No, you're I'm giving, giving it a 5. No, oh, <laughs> no way. No way. I, none of the shows are 5. I'm giving it a 10 turnbuckle rating. Good. I, I give it 11. That's my highest rating so far. I'm the insightful expert, and you're just the producer. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. 20-year Canadian indie wrestling veteran Rob Stardom has done it all, wrestling in Japan, Mexico, and many places in between, but he's winding down his career. He's not done yet, though. Follow along on the journey of Canadian strong style Rob Stardom as he checks a few more things off his bucket list. Check out the Rob Stardom vlog on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com and search Rob Stardom vlog. And don't forget to leave a comment saying the Total B She's podcast sent you. All right, Mike, don't think you're getting away without answering this question. You've had time to think about it. We're going to talk about independent wrestlers and why they need to apply themselves more as professional athletes. Uh, I'm going to do this rapid fire because I am craving Mary Brown's and I still have a little bit of money left as a balance on my card. Yeah, I got a few bucks left on my card. Oh. I got to try that hot sandwich. You tried the hot one last week. Spicy Big Mary. Yeah, I got to try that. That's what I'm craving. I had the normal one. Oh, yes, I got to get to Mary Brown's. Um, independent wrestlers, this is to you. You want to be considered a professional athlete. You want to be taken as a professional. You want to be at the top of your game. You hear me every week criticize, not criticize, offer advice and, 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 and constructive criticism. Sure. Yeah, to promoters. Hey, your graphic design needs to be better. Hey, your ring needs to look better. Hey, your venue needs to look better. Put some smell of popcorn in the, in the arena so it smells like an event. Now I'm going to talk about what independent promoter, independent wrestlers have to do for promoters and for the fans. See, the fans are doing their part. 220 of them showed up at 3D Pro Wrestling. Yeah. 300 of 350 bought advanced tickets to Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. They sold out without even trying. CWE, 160 or whatever their venue holds, maybe 200, I don't know. They buy. So the fans are doing their part. Promoters are obviously trying. Now it's up to you my wrestler friends. So here's what I want to tell you. First and foremost, you need to be working out. That's an absolute yep. must. Every See, I'm around professional athletes, a CFL team. They draw 30,000 fans, 25,000 fans consistently. consistently yep. They have a TV deal with TSN. Let me tell you something. They practice on the field for two or three hours a day. They play a game for three hours a week. And they're in the gym every single day. Now, wrestlers go to the gym. They know how to make their, their look whatever they want it to be. They'll go there and they'll do curls and they'll work their chest and they'll do shoulders, arms, obviously. And they leave and they think they've accomplished what they want to accomplish. Every athlete has a personal trainer. If you don't have a personal trainer, you're not really committed to being a high-level athlete. Whether you meet with that personal trainer twice a week, three times a week, or once a week, you need to have a professional trainer. Now in Winnipeg, I can teach, I'm going to give you a life hack here. You can actually go to owner operated gyms are yep. the best place to go. My buddy, my best friend, Sean Brown. Best I don't just Sean call him Brown. Sean. Best friend, it, Sean Brown. Sean Brown. Yep. He owns Impact Performance Center. And the thing about Impact Performance Center is 
he doesn't want you to come there and get jacked. That's not what you do when you go to that gym. It's circuit training. It's functional strength training. It's conditioning. It's coordination. And if you went there for a month, I know this because I've done it, you will be a better athlete. You will, you might not have bigger arms. You should have bigger arms. You might not have a bigger chest. You should have a bigger chest, but it'll be harder because you've worked it out properly. More importantly, you'll have more stamina. You'll have better footwork. You will be a much, much better athlete. He trains everyone from hockey players to football players to, you know, mixed martial artists. But no professional wrestlers go to him. No problem. They maybe go to Paul Taylor at Brickhouse Gym. But do they go to Brickhouse Gym because they want to look like a bodybuilder, either a high-level one or just a functional one? Or do they go to Paul Taylor because they say, Paul, make me a better athlete? Now, if I ask Paul Taylor, I bet you not a lot of people come to him and say, I want to be a better athlete. They all want to look better. So they think of going to the gym as being cosmetic. Now, if you're in Selkirk, you go see Matt Evans. He's got his own gym. Now, do you say to Matt Evans, make me look like a better athlete? Or do you say to Matt Evans, make me a better athlete? There is a difference. Now, I know if you go to Sean Brown and you say, make me a better athlete, he's going to make you a 10 times better athlete. You're going to have better matches. You're going to be able to go longer and you're going to be able to go better. And I don't know that wrestlers are doing that. And that's a problem. Now, I don't know. I'm just talking about Winnipeg three gyms. But if you're in Alberta or you're in BC or you're Saskatchewan or anywhere in the United States, you want to be the best professional wrestler and considered a professional athlete, you better have a trainer. And don't say, I want to look this way. You want to perform at a higher level. You want to be a better athlete. You don't want to look like a better athlete. You want to be a better athlete. And if you're not doing that, you don't get it. So get that through your heads. If you don't go to your trainer and say you want to be a better professional athlete, you are doing it wrong. Next up, you want to wrestle every show in a market. I believe in exclusivity. And I'm fired up today, Chris. I know. Thank you for letting (laughs) me go here. You're going. If you're not going to be exclusive in a market... So let's say you're in Alberta and you wrestle Can-Am, Real, Can- Real Canadian Wrestling, and CWE when it's in, in, in the province. Okay, now the fans don't have a choice. It's not like the fans say, oh, I like Wrestler A, and I'm only going to go to the show that Wrestler A is on, because he's on all three now. Okay, here's your commitment. Let's say Rob Stardom. Okay, and I bring Rob Stardom up because he's got a YouTube channel. We yep. shout out to it every week. So Rob, guess what? You're going to be my guinea pig. If Rob Stardom's wrestling in in a market, let's say Winnipeg or Calgary, and he's wrestling on each company's show, so he's wrestling three times a month, and fans don't have to pick what show they want to go to just to see Rob Stardom because he's on everything. Rob, you have a commitment to each promoter. You have to invest in multiple sets of gear. Yes. Because every time the fans see you, they should see a different presentation of you. Like Ric Flair, if you saw Ric Flair three times and he wore the yellow robe all three times, you're disappointed. I wanted to see blue. I wanted to see red. Yeah, I, yeah. Or I want to see yellow. I want to see purple. Ric Flair got it. Now, I don't expect every independent wrestler to be as with it as Ric Flair was on presentation. But it is presentation. So, you should have different sets of gear. You should have a different swagger to you each performance. Sometimes you should be a, a, a heel who begs off. Sometimes you should be an aggressive heel. Maybe a promoter's going to ask you to be a baby face. But the fans who now have to go and 
they can see you everywhere. They have to think, which Rob Stardom am I going to see tonight? Yeah. Right? 100%. Change it up. Don't look the same. Don't, you know, like have things. The thing is, is in, in, in independent wrestling, let's say you're hmm, Eric Cannon, and I love Eric Cannon, or Darren Corbin. You have to, the fans have to, there's not enough dream matches in local wrestling. Because they, you can't build up a dream match of local wrestling. Yeah, because everybody works everywhere. Exactly. So you got to have, what performance are we going to see from Danny Duggan or Rob Stardom, Mentolo or AJ Sanchez or Robbie Royce, right? So you're going to wrestle everywhere. You're not going to be exclusive. You better be changing it up a little bit each time so the fans are getting a different version of you. Yeah, even even down to moves, or would you say would you go that far? No, you far? can keep the moves, but your uh, psychology I, should change a little bit. See, I I think there's certain ways to work as a heel, uh, obviously, and there's certain ways to work as a face, and certain moves as a heel may not transfer over as a face. I am worried that the same AJ Sanchez or Mentolo or Danny Duggan that shows up on one show shows up at all the shows, and they think, well, that's who I am. Yeah, but the fans. Imagine if you went to three Tom Cruise movies and he was the exact same character in all three. Well, fans don't know who you are until you tell them. So if you show up, yeah, if you show up expecting them to know this is AJ Sanchez and this is the package you're going to give, mm. they don't know it. You have to you have to tell them what it is. I'm worried that there's a lot of carryover of fans between the three shows. So I think you should be giving them different presentations. Yeah, definitely between. No, you're right. Same I was same gonna, gimmick. Yeah, you're right. But your mindset for each audience should be different. Now, when we had Nick Dinsmore on the show a couple weeks ago, he said the, one of the bad habits independent wrestlers have is they think of it as their match, and it's not their match, it's the, the people's fans, match. Yeah. So that's why you should be changing your edge and your character and your performance as if the people are different each show. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Okay. Now, last thing I'm going to say about independent wrestlers and things they need to do better. I've always believed that wrestlers shouldn't be wrestler for hire talent for hire um i've always thought that they should look at every opportunity as being part of a team and that's part of why i push exclusivity but i know it's i can say it until i'm blue in the face they ain't doing it so and part of it is there's not enough promoters offering enough activity other than danny duggan he's the one that offers the most shows so what you want to do is you're going to be part of seven different teams but you want to be a part of that team. So I'm wrestler. A call me Adam Knight. Okay. I would never be mistaken for Adam Knight and he wouldn't want to be mistaken or me mistaken for him. So you call me, Hey Adam, we want you to work the show. I don't want to work the show for you. I want to partner with you. Now I'm not, I don't want a piece of the action, but the more successful you are as a promoter, the more valuable I am as a talent. It's a partnership. Wrestlers think, oh, I need to be paid this. That's my rate. I'll work whoever, I'll do whatever, but you got to pay my rate, I'll show up and I'll work. Yeah. No, 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 no. What can I do to make, what can I do to help make your show more successful? Now, 3D Pro Wrestling did this very well. They had all those packages on every guy. Guys were showing up and doing pre-tapes ahead of time. Guys were doing their part to help promote the product. Yes. So if you sign up, AJ Sanchez pushes on social media, but it should be, the conversation shouldn't be, I want this to work for you. 
I want this much to work this match for you. It should be, how can I help? What do you need from me? What, what sort of things can I do to help this process around? Can I, you know, what can I do to make your show successful? Well, yeah, because if the promoter succeeds, you succeed. And so, Absolutely. And, and, you're only more, show. and you're only more valuable at the end of that when promoters like, thank God I had that wrestler. He did so much. I think wrestlers have to change their attitude. I'm this valuable and you need to pay this to me to let's make this work for both of us. Let's work together. If wrestlers ever learned that, they would go a lot further. When I booked names for WFX, let me tell you, it wasn't, I need to be paid this and I'll do what you tell me to do. Not, I can't think of a single name that acted like that. If it's a free agent guy, no. It was, I'll be up there the night before, I'll do pre-tapes, I'll do media in the morning, I'll do anything you need. That's what I heard from them. Now, maybe I got lucky. Maybe it was the way we struck the relationship. But I never had to, I never had the relationship of, I work for you, you pay me this, I'm willing to do this. No. And that's, I guess it's independent wrestlers, check your ego at the door, work harder with your promoters, don't expect pay to work for those promoters. And that's all I'm saying. Well put, Mike. Well put. And that, the dulcet sounds of Glenn Goza in the background means we are wrapping up another week, another edition Come back to us next week. Next week, we're answering at least two fan questions because I didn't yeah. get to that today. Glenn Goza, you're my favorite. Let's hear it. R-A-S-S-L-I-N. That's wrestling. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock? I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N. That's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the romper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the iron claw as only the Vaughn Eriks can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling. Really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights. They were dazzling. 
I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon? <laughs>